The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly, and he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will put down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't, exactly, I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I've been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? These words are probably one of Mary Oliver's most well-known poems. 
She died earlier this year, and I've been finding myself drawn to her wisdom in words lately. Those words were washing over me as um, a bunch of us took one of our monthly holy hikes yesterday um, at Turkey Creek in, in Pinson, Alabama. I, I love the inspiration that Oliver takes from nature and the greater questions she asks. And then as I wrote this sermon and were reflecting on her words and opened the news yesterday afternoon, and I haven't quite resolved how to, to handle another tragedy from our pulpit, which seems to be happening more and more frequently. But her words strike me even more. What else should I have done? What else? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? What should I be doing with this one wild and precious life? How should we be living? When I preached three weeks ago, I raised the observation or the challenge that we all have beliefs that run into conflict with other beliefs that we hold. For example, we may hold the belief that we want all human life to thrive and to have opportunities to thrive and to grow and to be safe and secure. And at that same time, we may believe that we deserve to be safe and secure and that belief creates certain understandings of laws and policies and borders and that we find that those may exist in conflict with each other and that we as faithful people struggle with how we resolve those conflicts. And that we find ourselves naturally holding positions that when we end up parsing them, we see that they exist in tension and we um, struggle to figure out what to do with those. And I think that that's normal. And I would be comfortable in, in claiming here that if you are being faithful, that you are probably challenged in many ways in finding that internal conflict within yourselves of your own moral compass and your beliefs and values and virtues struggling to truly make sense of how to live and how to order your life. And so I find myself wanting to kind of continue with that theme a little bit. And I'm wondering, um, especially after yesterday, I wonder if there's an expectation to touch different points in preaching. I, I wonder a lot about my role and what it means to stand here and, and, and to engage Scripture. And as I watch my fellow clergy, um, both within the Episcopal Church and, and other traditions, there seems to be this great debate of how we address the world that we live in. And, and, and this challenge to what does it mean to stand up to evil or to racism or to violence, and, and all of those seem to be contained within certain, certain dialogues, and, and I'm, if I'm completely honest, I don't have it figured out. I know what I believe, but I haven't figured out how to address all of those things. 
I'm not even sure how to claim what is evil or what is injustice or brokenness or sin in this world. So I'm confessing that the person that you've called to be your priest is struggling with one of the basic requirements of the job. I'm sorry. But I do wonder, and I think this has been my approach before, but I wonder if we are asking some of the wrong questions. What if it's not, what do I believe? Or it's not, what is right? Or which value that I want to put more emphasis on today? Or which of the beliefs in conflict are more important? But instead, I wonder if the more important question is, what is the world that we want to cultivate or create? What kind of world do we want to help bring into existence? There's a little subtle difference in those two kind of approaches. One, um, one is, is focused on a kind of individual position that we recognize as existing with intention of truths or powers that are in opposition, but the other is a little broader position that is, that is greater. And, and it, the reason that I bring this up is because when I, when I think about how do we respond to what we experienced yesterday and the tragedies in El Paso, one might say, what is our position on, on the right to bear arms? But the other says, let's throw that out the window. What kind of world do we want to create? What kind of world is it that we want to help breathe into existence for us, for our children, for our children's children? I want to step back and I'm going to invite you into my head and I think that I'm, I might be able to do this because Anne is driving back from dropping the kids off at grandparent camp and so she doesn't get to hear my sermon. <laughs> so I can invite you into our conversation and then hope that she doesn't listen to the podcast. Um, a friend of ours is, is getting rid of their car and we're not the biggest fan of Anne's car and so um, the kind of questions raising, do we buy Sarah's dad's car and kind of almost do a, 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 a switch, um, which shouldn't impact us too much. And so then we sit there like, well, does the, question, does, does the car have a trailer hitch so that we can put in our bike rack? Does it have a, um, does it have a rack on the top because we want something to move the kayak? Does it have the ability to use the, her phone hands-free? And these are things that we don't have now. And we believe that we need to have. And so this is the conversation that we, we've been having the last 48 hours, which then leads to the conversation, should we redo the basement? <laughs> and wouldn't it be cool if the kids had a ping pong table and a place to watch movies where the kids could be wild and rambunctious? You follow me? And you're probably all kind of going, yeah, I mean, all that stuff sounds really, really good probably be a good idea for the kids to have some space and these are things that we don't have and I'm probably guessing that many of y'all have had very similar conversations and if you watch how that conversation is really going it is if I just had this 
Fill in the blank, wouldn't my life be better if I just had these things? I mean, really? And I'm wondering, kind of listening to both Paul's letter to the Colossians and the gospel, is this greed? It toes the line a little bit. I mean, it's, it's honest, it's probably fair, but I begin to think that if I have certain things, that there's an answer in my life that can be fixed or preserved or resolved. But what it's happening is this emphasis on my own individual self that's not really far removed from individual values, individual positions. I think maybe trying to kind of see that connection. It's this rugged individualism that I think we're all kind of conditioned to have. And instead of worrying about what we have or what we can do or what my family can do, I'm being challenged to ask that question, what is the world that we should be creating? How do I use what I've been given to let God's world become our world? In our gospel this morning, the rich man wants to tear down his barns. Just pause. He has barns. He has barns. He wants to tear those down so he can build bigger ones for all of his good and beautiful things. And I get the impression, I mean, granted his land is producing abundantly, but you get the impression that he probably has been working pretty hard as well. He's been faithful with what, he's ha- what, he, what he has. And he wants to, to preserve that things he needs to be prosperous, things he needs for his security, things that will make him happy and he'll be fed for years to come. He has a robust 401k from the gospel perspective. But what is the world that he is creating for others? And God says to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And I'm wondering if God's saying the same thing to me, maybe to all of us. Our lives are being demanded of us. See, we all live, we we all, by virtue of our baptism, by virtue of being children of God, we are called to love this world into wholeness just as God is loving this world. And I'm wondering that instead of worrying about what we believe is right or wrong or what we have, the better practice and question that we should be asking is what is the world that we dream God wants for us and for others? And that maybe that's the practice of letting go of all these things that we worry about ourselves. There's a movement from worrying alone about our own individual lives and what we're storing up and to worry about the world that we are creating. That's what I think is a faithful response to poverty or injustice or gun violence or despair. It's a movement from an identity that focuses on our individual selves to an identity that focuses on everyone. What do we do with our lives? And maybe the role of being gathered here at St. Stephen's is helping each other create the world that God wants. 
with the most sacred things that we have been entrusted with, our own human lives, helping each other in the world to live. Life is precious. It is all vapor or vanity in the words of Ecclesiastes. And in the words of our great poet, doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? What is the world that we could help create? Amen.